In the words of the legendary Lou Gellerman, hello, dog fans, and welcome to the Sound the Siren podcast, because everything matters. As usual, I'm your host, Hooligan7. I'm joined this evening uh, by Hood Husky, J-Cap, and Johnny Tugs. How's everybody doing tonight? Go, dogs. We doing we doing, doing well. Go, Good. We will uh, we will start as usual when when the host doesn't forget with what's everybody drinking tonight. Hood, we'll start with you. What are you sipping? Uh, so, alongside my um, weekly water, I have an Imperial Stout uh, Wrecking Ball. Oops. I'm definitely a stout porter guy, even in the summer. Obviously, uh, love my dark beer. So that's what I'm. I, I respect off. it. It's tough. It's a tough life, brother. <laughs> Jcap, how about you? I am just on on water tonight. You're still on the that, that still summer on, diet. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. Tugs, I know. I, I know. I uh, I know you're 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 on team alcohol tonight, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh I'm actually on water too. I'm coming off a day and a half bender, so. Um, <laughs> in true Tugs fashion, we the wife and I went hard at the Mariner game, the nine inning lunch yesterday. So as you should, yeah. as you should, yeah. The baseball brunch, um, yeah. and I have a Silver City Tropic Haze. Uh, shout out to all the IPA haters. Uh, you're you're still cry, 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 cry. <laughs> <laughs> I see it's a problem. That's a good one. I like that one, Hooligan. Shout out, Leah. <laughs> um, all right, we'll, we'll we'll move right into our uh, first topic. We'll probably kind of have a we'll cover a couple of different areas tonight. Uh, but first, I uh, wanted to to get some thoughts from everybody on the interview that uh, Cooper, I think Pedagonia did with the guys from Dogman, and uh, I think Hood, uh, you were actually the one that uh, suggested it as a potential topic, um, and and I think you got some good insight out of it. So go ahead. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely recommend people listen to that. Uh, um, I uh, I personally felt like it gave great insight into um, all the stops that he's had, that Cooper's had um, alongside along his journey. Um, he was he started at LSU, I believe, um, in like a, a, a weight room role, responsible for a little bit of elements of recruiting. Um, then went to Alabama, um, and then I believe had stops at like Cincinnati, uh, Michigan, as well as University of Washington. So he provided some great insight on how each of the programs recruit, um, what their value systems are even within recruiting, and how some of those coaches are, uh, Jim Harbaugh, uh, Chris Peterson, Luke Fickle, um, et cetera. So um couple of takeaways it's i have a, a bunch of notes here but a couple of takeaways um and uh i'll say cooper really spoke on on how chris peterson's process impacted him and how it impacted our program uh, not too much was necessarily about jimmy lake specifically but about the priorities in which chris peterson instilled in the program and lake so um cooper mentioned that uh, Coach Pete and that program essentially in UW is essentially like a true 1% type of program on and off the field. Um, and uh, he also felt like at, in regards to all of his stops as well, it was the most um, like extensive hiring process. So like it just seems like we do 
a lot of background on the in-house guys, not only um, in regards to the kids that we bring up here, but in regards to our staff, which kind of may explain a lot of why somebody always has ties to somebody else and we keep a lot of things in-house, uh, maybe a lot of like reference-based stuff. Um, and um, uh, one thing I really wanted to, to kind of like point to was how um, they did a he did a comparison about how in specifically in recruiting how it was in the SEC um, and then how University of Washington and other programs like Northwestern recruit and um, handle their handle their business. Um, he said it's more of a height, weight, speed type thing in the SEC, specifically Bama, um, LSU and programs in the Big Ten, including Michigan. Uh, there's more of an uh, a, more of a strategic approach, uh, more of an eval approach, and they're real specific on a lot of the guys that they go after. One big, big takeaway was how he uh, he said how game days in the SEC and everywhere else is different. And not game days in regards to tailgating and things like that, but unofficial visits. Like they have a lot of kids that just show up and whether the staff knows them by first name or not, right? They just have a bunch of kids show up to these events, whereas the University of Washington is relatively strategic in that. They know exactly which kids are showing up, um, what their care package is going to be for the day, what their pr uh, process is going to be for the day. So I would say just um, specifically uh, just explains kind of the differences between how University of Washington process is and teams like Michigan versus even programs like Oregon. Um, there was a statement made where Cooper even mentioned that if a guy is being pursued or even considering Oregon, then the University of Washington is most likely not even interested because it's probably the wrong fit. So all these people running around wanting us to kind of go after the same guys or um, do it their way. It gives the interview gives perspective on what we're really trying to do and how we're not trying to do it a certain way. Uh, and it's all intentional. So. Yeah. I mean, I think on that last point, I think that's reflected not to badmouth the kid at all, but in it, it came out in an interview that Sir Mel's did about the process in like Oregon. He's like, they kept sending me stuff, and it was all about you know it was the, they kept me sending me the, you know the uniforms and the and the hype and what UW sent him was like, here's the work that you have to do. Like, it is, you know, it's we're with that you know that one percent approach or the you know we're playing with a it's a, it's in some ways a longer odds play. It is, it, you have to be, you have to have, it's, it's like Stanford. Stanford only for any sport has a very select group of athletes that they can legitimately pursue based on their academic standards. And mm -hmm. um, sorry to, to like the, the academic superiority people from Cal and UCLA, UW has harder academic standards to get into than your two programs because with the UC pro with the UC junior college program, any junior college from in the state of California that's a public JUCO, those credits have to be able to transfer into Cal or UCLA. That is not the case for the University of Washington, and it's why we don't see a ton of junior college players coming into our program. No, I did not know that. Interesting. I'm, so I'm I'm real glad you said that too. Uh, specifically, he said that. Um, the, the schools that we're mainly competing with are Stanford and Notre Dame. Um, and he said Jimmy Lake's kind of kicked, kicked Notre Dame's butt as a position coach um, for guys like Asa and Kyler. Um, but 
typically you, you'll see us competing with those two schools because they have similar processes and they go after similar guys, you know, so. Um, one one cool tidbit too is, uh, and I would love for, I mean, you guys can feel however you want. A lot of UW fans can feel out however they want. Um, Cooper also mentioned how he felt like Nike's impact was overestimated. Um, he felt like what Nike does is Nike will expose, you know, uh, TTDS's um, brand and things like that and get them on campus. But once on campus, you got to do the work. You know what I mean? So in regards to just kind of throwing the throwing the Nike out there, um, got to got to got to calm on that, because at the end of the day, you know, I said something where you got to respect the way that both sides recruit respectfully. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, what's work, what works for them, works for them, what works for us is going to work for us. And we have to understand that and not pers- like try to be them and they because they surely couldn't be us. Um, and that's not only Oregon, but that's Bama, Tennessee, et cetera. So, yeah, ac- academic standards at the SEC is Vanderbilt, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout out Texas and Oklahoma. We'll get to you fuckers later. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you know it's we we talked about it a little bit, kind of in the in the pre-show. Um, you know, I, I think it, it is, it, it's an adjustment for the, for the fan base to think about it that way. And it sucks. I, I think that's why in, you know, to play, not necessarily devil's advocate, but, to um, as a fan that can be somewhat, you know, reactive and what the heck are we doing when we lose? I, I think because we offer less kids, we're in a, you know, we're, we're recruiting it, you know, it, it, the impact of losing somebody that we're pursuing or, or when we, you know we miss on somebody that we really should have locked up that impact is all the more important. And, and, you know, yes, I think hood, you've talked about it. I think we are going to, you know, be shopping in the portal again. Um, although I'm, I'm certainly happy, you know, to touch briefly, like, I think we've seen a ton of offer activity. We talked about it a little today. Um, you know, shout out to, to Denzel Boston, a 22 that got an offer at the receiver position. So yeah. that may not be, we may not be exclusively portal shopping for receivers uh, for this class, um, but it just it the way the way we do it is different. Um, I think one of the trends and and I, I made a comment about it today in, in one of our chats. Like we did with with Den, like with uh, with Braden Platt and, and a couple of others this weekend, and I'm forgetting names. I want us like for kids that are going to get a University of Washington offer as for, as much as we can early in the process with our vetting. We've got to be the first one through the door, because otherwise, we, we, we it, it, over a course of years, we developed a reputation of like that we were looking more out of state than, and we've got to do everything we can, particularly with what we have coming up in twenty three and twenty four, in terms of recruiting class quality. If we kill it in state like the way we're capable of, and honestly, the way we should, the concerns about a thirty or fortieth ranked class in the country are gonna like get out of here because what's in state. If we lock it up, good night. I have a feeling those in-state classes aren't going anywhere either. I think it's Washington is just going to be getting better and better with the the players. And, um, yeah, if we just got to lock in-state up and we'll be golden. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Especially uh, we've been looking at, like, all the running backs that we have coming up in the next few classes. Lamar, Brown, um, what's the uh, – Ontario – 
Um, Isaiah Brown, Isaiah, even though a lot Isaiah of guys Carlson. are, or uh, Isaiah Carlson, excuse me. Um, yeah. I heard, are we recruiting him at linebacker though? That's what I, I, th- I think Roman had I th- said that. I think that's the, 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 the scuttlebutt that I've heard at this point. But um, I mean, it's almost, there's too many. Like we're probably going to lose a running back or two out of the next couple of years because there's just, there's, there's more than we can legitimately put on our Miles roster. Jack was both. True. Yeah. True. Out the same program. Uh, so mm. guy named Shaq Thompson. Come on. <laughs> and one, one thing I think that uh, you could just tell by the coach's energy and how a lot of, you know, just be, you know, um, hearing, uh, kind of seeing the guys on Instagram and the, the players, you know, on their social medias, you can see that all these coaches, uh, these position coaches have great relationships with their guys. Uh, Cooper mentioned that there's two elements of recruiting um, that are important for uh, University of Washington, and that's relationships and strategy. And at this point, you can kind of see the relationships um, that people like Will Harris and KB and Scott Huff build. Now you got to like, you know, implement the proper strategies to be able to lock these guys up um, and just piggyback off of these relationships. So um, I think that was a great tidbit that he kind of dropped as well. So 23 for me, uh, you mentioned Will Harris hood 23 for me with Will Harris and, and uh, Terrence Brown. And I guess Colin Lockett now is going to be a huge test for them. Um, you got guys like Caleb Presley, Josiah Wagner, um, coming up in, in 23 and those are going to be big time targets and at the position that we're the strongest at, uh, as far as on the field and development and that kind of thing. And we'll probably have another first rounder at, at DB or a first rounder at DB at Trent. And I mean, we want to see those, those relationships. Yeah, we could see that Will Kyler. Is, it's not yeah, outside yeah. the realm of possibility I mean, this year. It's, that's a shot. Bookie. I mean, again, we come back to, we have to win and we got to put it on the field. Um, yep. but if we do win and we do put it on the field, Buki and, uh, and Kyler should get a shot in the first round or first couple of rounds at least. Um, but that said, I want to see those relationships that will is supposedly building actually come to fruition with some recruits and, uh, top ranked recruits in state, uh, especially at DB, which I think who was the last big time DB that we got in state Kyler probably, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can't think of anyone else in state that we we've, we've I don't gotten. Think in there, I don't think there's been a big time DB truly in state. Truly since. big time, yeah, probably Kyler. I mean, I, I mean, think. or or truly in state, like Keeley was from here, but he wasn't really in state. Yeah, and that's ooh, true. Um, Miche walked on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the guy from Everett Michelle that went to on. that went to Notre Dame. Kivari, uh, uh, I think Kivari, that was, yeah, that was yeah. for Kyler. That was Sark era. I guess yeah, I guess Aiden Hector, but there were other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Let's That's just leave that alone. Yeah, yeah, that is what it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think so much we, we talked about it. It's you know so much is like we talked like we've talked about in, on this already is that so much can happen if 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 we win the way we're capable of this year. It's not the end. Of, like you can't just say, "Hey, we won ten games. Everybody should be lining up at the door, dropping off." Like, like, "Hey, I'm in. I'm in." But, but it's it's a much the slope, slope. It steepens drastically 
if we don't win 10 plus games, if we don't get to the, you know, if we don't win the North, if we don't kick the crap out of Oregon, even if it's a four point, you know, I mean, I want us to kick the crap out of Oregon, but a win against Oregon is crucial for this season. It's crucial for proving that our recruiting philosophy and signing a good class and signing some of these kids in 23, it, it just another, you know, element of proof of like, this is our strategy. This is what we're doing. And here it is on the field. Um, anybody else have anything on that or should we move to, to takeaways from Pac-12 media day and, and what we've, from what we've seen thus far, and I'm still working through some of the, the other teams. Nope. We, we good. We can move forward. Yeah. So yeah. Open floor. Uh, what, what do you guys think of what you saw, particularly from Jimmy Jackson and, uh, and Trent at media day? Um, for me personally, I saw a lot of confidence from Jimmy. Um, at the end of the day, all the coaches kind of just had, um, they were really good mouthpieces for their programs. Um, kind of uh, every single one kind of mentioned how all their kids are just extremely grateful and their coaches are to be, you know, back there to have a sense of normalcy. Um you know, so it, it was just kind of just getting to meet the commish, um, getting a vibe with a whole bunch of new faces that you weren't able to really kind of uh, get to know. Um, as far as takeaways, I think David Shaw had a couple cool things that I wanted, wanted to kind of tie into University of Washington is uh, he kind of mentioned that um, he said in relation to Stanford in their recruiting, 90 percent of their recruiting strategy and process is their visits and he was able to put a number on that and i was just like dang if stanford's is 90 like if i have the benefit of the doubt i'm thinking that's 70 75 so another element of perspective but um uh, yeah there wasn't too much from from media day other than just kind of uh, the the coaches kind of letting folks know it's been great to kind of get back to a sense of normalcy. Yeah, I, I, from, and certainly from our guys, from Jimmy, from from Jackson, and from Trent, I, I, I think there's a clear sense of determination. And I think the term that I think it got thrown up on the video that the new um, video production head for the department that just got hired, um, or at least for football, it's a theme of unfinished business. They know you know, with the pandemic, okay. everything else, like they had a chance, like, we could, you know, if we played Oregon, it would have been a chance to prove it on the field to truly like, to truly win, like, let's be honest, to truly win the North comes down to Oregon, Washington, and it's going to be that way for a while. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of the, the bigger picture and, and a, a later topic, certainly um, I have much more confidence in, in Commissioner Kliavkov than I did in his uh, departed president predecessor and making the right decisions um, to He's keep amazing. the conference. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not a high bar to jump over to be better than Larry, but <laughs> the early returns are good for George, for sure. Go ahead, Tugs. Everything he like tweets out just is like, oh, this guy gets it. Like, it's unreal. He's he's so the much better than Larry tweets. got already. Yeah, the fact that he tweets. <laughs> the fact that he tweets. 
Larry's um, probably so Larry sends messages by you know by carrier pigeon while he's sipping champagne somewhere and working on his <laughs> by <surf>. carrier pigeon. <laughs> That's so California. Um, one thing I did <laughs> notice that uh, that uh, George K said um, at the media days was um, about how in relation to NIL he was going to have highlight packages from the from the Pac-12 network standpoint or from like an executive standpoint. So there was going to be like if you wanted to have like a local company use a highlight for, you know, a commercial or something, there will be highlight packages that the from a conference level will be made for you on your behalf. So I thought that was super cool. And in, you know, we got a topic later, but if you want to like get big time recruits to your conference, that's something that you say, you know, you had Nick Saban capping talking about seven, eight figures, et cetera, as a, as a recruiting uh, tool, and I felt like George K, you know, used that same platform as the first person to talk just to kind of be like, look, man, if you come here, we're going to guarantee you exposure if you at least touch the field. So I appreciated that. Yeah. And I, I think it's great. And I think it brings up an important point like that, you know, what, what Nick Saban was talking about with the seven figure deal for Bryce Young. Like, but that's Alabama's starting quarterback. That's not everybody else on Alabama. And to the point, like we were talking about uh, in the Cooper interview with Nike's impact. Yeah. Kayvon's got a deal. Have we seen anything in terms of Nike impacting their down roster? Like, yeah. So for a top guy, for a top, like, and here's, you know, and we talked about it, I think a little bit, and we've certainly talked about it in threads and in chats where ultimately if we capitalize on nil the way we can as an entire department it's not just what's going to happen like at every program that's serious about college football the the starting quarterback and the star players are going to get deals that are going to be more aggressive and more money where it's really going to have an impact and where being in a larger economic market is going to have an impact is that there are more there's more businesses there's more economic power in larger markets for for you know down, not down roster, and I don't mean that pejoratively by any stretch of the imagination, but for guys that you're not like, you're not immediately going to think of, oh, you know, like, I'm sorry, in Pullman, the starting center is not going to have any chance of a deal other than maybe at the Coog or, but like, that's not the first play, place that somebody's, you're the first player somebody's going to think of. But here in Seattle, where you've got four plus million people and businesses to go along with it and that are run by Huskies. There's more opportunity, period. Sorry. And, and from a competent commissioner who's going to do all that he can in relation to media, you know, and marketing and branding, uh, you know, these individual alpha, uh, uh, athletes. Absolutely. You know, so big markets yeah. would definitely benefit. Yeah. You want to see another UW athlete, not a football athlete that would have made absolute, an absolute killing if NIL had been around during her career? Gold medalist Kelsey Plum. Facts. Facts. I really need to see. I really need to see a beacon plumbing uh, UW UW commercial really bad. Yeah. (laughs) Team up with Marshawn or something. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be so dope. Um, Yeah. Marshawn and Bobby and Savelle. Come on. That's oh, yes. That's a, whole bunch, that's a whole bunch of town business right there. Oh, my God. Smalls on a beacon plumbing. Yes, please. <laughs> um, I'll say lastly, man, just from what I took from uh, a little bit of elements of what Trent had to say, 
is um and it made me kind of go and look at other uh schools coaches and stuff he said um he was like what brought you to UW and stuff like that or and like um what uh, specific like techniques etc do you guys use and he just kind of was speaking on how UW has four DB coaches <laughs> like look around the country like why are UW DB so so good right look around the country and you'll see there's not too many staffs if any at all that have four um four guys that are all good at something different prioritizing technique and understanding of the game um, another element of what he said was just like, um, and this is big too, man. I think, you know, it needs to resonate amongst the Husky faithful is that, um, somebody that's a four star, a high four star kid said this, you know, and Trent McDuffie guys that commit to UW commit for a reason, you know, there's a sense of standard and culture. And I want those two words to be, uh, to resonate amongst you guys. There is a sense of standard and culture. Um, which is why you don't see too many transfers leaving, especially on the defensive side of the ball and especially in the defensive backfield. You know, so I, I do want that to resonate amongst the fan base is that you can want X, Y, and Z, you know, but it doesn't matter if they're an unranked player or a five-star. There is an, an element where we are going to prioritize what is between the years. And let's face it, with the way we develop some of our walk-ons and, you know, no star recruits are better than a lot of five stars at programs like <coughs> SC that don't develop for shit. Something in your thoughts. What? <laughs> uh, <coughs> Failed. <laughs> Clown shoes. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, you talk about walk-ons getting developed, and especially on defense. I mean, we were, we can talk ad nauseum about Eddie, but I mean, our Defensive back walk-ons are just ridiculous. They're, I mean, Kaysen, Michelle, uh, Mekki Pay, all yeah, could, could play Power 5, or could be Power 5 starters, honestly, uh, at some programs, and they're walk-ons in our program. And, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches, honestly, at, at defensive back right now, which is why to shift – Briefly, I'm not really tripping on defensive back recruiting in 22, um, just because there's so much talent in the room already. Uh, I know we kind of uh, had the rug pulled out from under us on, on Ben Morrison for the time being, at least. We don't know what, but it may not Jimmy be over and, yet. and the staff. Exactly, exactly. We don't know what they're they're going to do um, as far as continuing to recruit him. Um, but I mean, even if they weren't to flip him, I wouldn't really be too terribly worried about it just because there's so much depth in that room right now um that that we could could be just fine even down the road yep. did you yeah, guys talk about the a... comments uh trent made about uh dom hampton yes yes I, <laughs> yes oh my yes. god i cannot dom hampton play this year Woo! please just i'll i'll i'm so jacked by that and and Trent, I just need somebody I don't to think Trent is blowing hit. smoke, but if it's do good, let's do. Goddamn, let's go! I need somebody to hit. Doug, if you watch, we haven't Dom, seen you know, those hits. Better, but he got it. if he brings his pads from the yep. safety angles, that's completely different. <laughs> safety angles yep. are completely different. Oh, for sure. And, well, and we already like, and he is not the only hitter in that room. We've are we know. Buki brings it. 
Bro, Alex like, Cook? Yeah. Alex Cook brings it. Like, you were not going to And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say without hesitation that I will eat a few targeting penalties for some boogie mm-hmm. hits. I don't care. Like, uh, get ejected for a game. Yep. We, we need that. Who's your, who, so, and then who's your backup? Cam Fab comes in there, baby yep. molded, and mm-hmm. locks it down. Yep. Dude, At the 6-2. length on Cam Fab and the nickel is just unfair. That's a cheat code. RD, like, it's really too bad that we don't have uh, the return of NCAA football by EA Sports oh this season. Dude. Because our DB room would be just... Uh, <laughs> like, side linebacker it's like now. seven years into a dynasty when you're signing nothing but five stars. Like, <laughs> it, like I, I mean, it. they're not, they weren't, we know, but... High, high, you know, with our development, I, I'll take. I won't judge, and like, like we said in in a previous episode, where we can't freak out necessarily about DB recruiting in this class, is because that room is like you were saying, Jacob. It's so stacked. We can't do that. Like, we can't whiff on another class, because then right. you like you have half, yep. half of, or or you know, two fifths of the the conceivable classes that are in your program, where you've taken a donut or taken a. Um, and under, or where you've underperformed, but right. And, and again, it's it's one of those. It, it it varies really. You know how you evaluate classes. It's and how you stack classes. It varies a little bit from you know depending on what the position is and how much you can stack at a position versus the positions where you're taking one guy maybe tops, and so you really can't miss in those. Um. All right, let's see. So we talked about Media Day. We've talked about um, Cooper's interview. Should we move on to to all things realignment fun? Oh, boy. <laughs> or, or actually, let's do let's do questions, and then we can talk realignment. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, questions first? Let's do questions first. So first okay, question we got from uh, from our guy, Alex Pekaski. Uh, sent the question, I get the feeling that Cooper McDonald has a crazy high ceiling. Do we think he could be an All-American by the time he graduates? Uh, I don't know about All-American. I think that he's going to be a good player. I think that he definitely has the potential. I mean, the fact that he was cracking or seeing the field last year uh, as a true freshman said a lot about his, his development. And I remember certain members of husky twitter that were really not happy when he committed it was like we took a low-rated three-star guy out of texas for no reason and there was that whole debacle of whether or not recruiting texas was worth it but from what we've seen so far out of cooper and and at the spring game and everything i I think that he he definitely has potential to to be a a starter for us and all american i don't know all conference maybe but uh, I think he's he's definitely going to be in the rotation for sure. Yep. Um, it doesn't. I don't think it takes too much to make the top four teams. If you think about like Bowman making second team All Conference, and I feel like his ceiling is higher than Bowman's. Um, I I I will go out on a limb and say yes, he definitely can make one, uh, although highly unlikely. But what I will say is, at um, uh, a spring practice, I ran into his mother Jill, 
and she is an awesome woman. Um, I want to give a shout out to that family. Uh, that family is has that young man well grounded, and uh, that's why I have confidence and faith that that young man at some point will be an All American, uh, first team All Conference. Um, just because of his work ethic and his mental makeup was between those ears. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to I, kind I think... of, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Lincoln. Go ahead. Jake. Okay. Um, to kind of talk about, uh, how Cooper is, is kind of put together. Um, just briefly, we talked about it on a previous episode where he kind of got into a, a Twitter spat with, husky fan and, and handled it in a really professional way that mm-hmm. a lot of 18 year old kids probably wouldn't have done um so i, I a lot def- of 38 year old kids probably wouldn't have this done. is true this is true I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that dude on twitter that he was arguing with was like 50 plus but yeah, are not or arguing were in he was being with, wouldn't have handled it as well he was yeah he was being <laughs> argued with and he was just handling it in a very professional and and respectful but pointed way and i i respected that a lot from him um Absolutely. so I, I would definitely agree with you there hood that the mental makeup of of cooper uh, will play a big part in his development on the field as well as off the field so um yeah i mean all american i still think that's kind of a stretch it's a stretch uh, stretch most we've, definitely. we've only seen four games plus a spring from him so maybe after mm-hmm. this year we'll, we'll see in his career he'll He'll be able to be on that trajectory, but um, I think definitely the me- mental makeup for him will will contribute to that a lot. Yeah, I'm absolutely confident that he's going to be a solid contributor, going to be a solid member of the rotation, and and absolutely has the potential. I think the biggest barrier that I see is other than like I don't necessarily see that he's going to be guaranteed a starting spot, or I mean, we don't give out guarantees for starting spots, but we are starting to stack talent in that room and we Mm -hmm. rotate guys. And this is something we do. So Mm -hmm. it's more of a, a situational system thing that may not see him get to that level or the all conference level, because like we've got now, I mean, if you look at that room right now, like look at the hype or, you know, not necessarily the hype, but the, the kudos that Braylon Trice was getting, we brought in Mm -hmm. Jeremiah Martin um, sounds like from, from somebody like that Savelle has had a great summer and Savelle was a five star for a reason. If Savelle puts it together, good night. Um, let's not sleep. And like, then ZTF comes the, back. It, <laughs> exactly. Like ZTF. Rotational. So rota- again, we're going to be like, we're going to be bringing waves from the edge. And so no one is going to have like the same kind of role in our defense that you see from, KT down at Oregon where he's going to be out there all the time because he's that much better than everyone else and KT is that much better than everyone that Oregon has. That's not the case at Washington right now. Go ahead, Jacob. Quick aside. And then um, uh, Quick aside, but uh, new offer out while we were, we've been potting to Gabe Hoffman what? from Eastside Catholic. Yeah. Uh, oh. 66231 oh. tight end from Eastside Catholic. Yeah. What is he a twenty three, twenty four? Uh, looks like he is. Oh, it doesn't say on his Twitter bio, but uh, probably one. I think he's probably a twenty three. Yeah. Should we give him a call real quick and ask him? Yeah, he's he's a twenty. (laughs) He's a twenty three because he posted 
something about he's going into year two right now, so he's going to sophomore season. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, that, that might be if he's going into sophomore season, then he'd be a twenty-four. What? Oh, yeah. yeah you're right. You're right. Twenty-four. Yeah. Twenty-four. So yeah, no, and but he and was part was, of that, like, that uh, big... FSP visit. Great. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, and that's we talked about it. It's like with the guys that we're going to conceivably offer, if we can identify that they've got the talent level, you know, even three years out, if they're FSP, if they're air, particularly with some of the. Let's just say that there's a, it's not a sterling relationship with Eastside Catholic right now. Um, yeah. Some of that is not our fault whatsoever. But the earlier we can get on those guys, the better it's going to be for us because it proves Agreed. that we want them to stay home. We want them to be hometown here, that we want them to be hometown Huskies and all of being first matters. Please. Go ahead, Tugs. I, I had a quick question about uh, the ZTF. I saw some that he might be ready by the end of the season. Is this true? Mm-hmm. Achilles, oh. you could definitely come back. You, you know, it's just it's like a six to ten, and it just depends on the the work you're able to put in uh, within your rehab um, and how you yep. respond to the speeds of things. But then you gotta also got to also get in football shape. So yeah, yep. uh, you know, with all that, so yeah, God, that I'll give it. I, I, I'll I'll use the opportunity to give Kelsey another shout out because it was a year to the day. That she started walking again after her Achilles injury. Yeah, she put on a gold yeah, pad. yeah. So, but and and if you want to talk about somebody that's aggressive and you know that yeah, that has that kind of attitude, so would it surprise me with ETF? No, not at all. Um, but again, it but Hood, you you make a great point that it's football shape. So, um, I don't know. To... Like, optimistically, dugishly, maybe like unleash ETF in conference championship game bowl season CFP if we're there. NY New York six NY6. game. NY6. Yeah. What um that'd be dope. In relation in relation to Cooper though, I think we have to view that as a four year player. Yep. Um and I cannot imagine, you know, we saw Tevis Bartlett, Connor O'Brien be able to play on NY six and uh cfp teams and i and he is uh <laughs> he is better than both in my opinion uh, while tevis was very good with uh his hips and his hands mm-hmm. um just from his background uh cooper has a lot more football makeup and he is built he's very very built and determined like i said so in uh, you know third year fourth year to, to alex's question I will say, Alex, you can you can DM me, you can add me. I will say yes, yes, he could be an All American. There are four teams on the All American team, so. Also, all right. Um, fuck me, roast me in the comments, but I misread the the tweet, so it wasn't an offer. He's just uh, posting pictures from the the visit, so. Okay. Whatever, roast me. I don't care. There's, there's we'll, been a we'll lot of Al at Dewey. There's been a lot of those unofficials today, so that that was fun. Max Reese yeah. uh, was yesterday, so yeah, man. Well, and, and one of the ones, and in, in, uh, I mean, I, I love seeing a lot of the the offers. The one I think that I'm kind of most excited about, and I haven't watched the video yet, but just like I, I I'm an old time Husky fan for as relatively young as I am. Um, seeing a, a second generation potential Husky with the offer to chase Malamala. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, I've got such a like number one 
say Apelli was part of it, you know, some of our great, great teams. Um, yeah. I'm a an 80s movie guy, and say Apelli was also Manu Manu, the slender and necessary roughness. You know, getting that energy <laughs> in our program. Like, that, yeah. like, legacies. Hell, you want to look at why legacies matter? Who did we send a media day from the offense? Who talked at length about how much and how important it was and how much, like, as soon as he got the offer, he's like, "I'm going to, I'm going to." Jackson Carlin. This is why this shit matters. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Jackson. But got we're the told offer tradition is don't mean nothing, and the history don't mean nothing, and that's what we're told. If you don't have it, it's... then it don't mean nothing, right? Right. It does exactly because, like, Oregon's tradition is ten to twenty years old. They've got some, like, and I've said it, and I'm going to be, you know, make some enemies in the Husky fandom, and I'm like, sorry, but Oregon's not going away. They're, they've been good, good enough, long enough that they're not. It's going to take a long cycle of downturn, which I don't see based on the money that Nike is injecting or that Phil Knight is putting into that program while he's still kicking. They're not going to go away, but we can lean into what we are, and be every bit as good and not better. Um. All right. Question. Second question. What's your take? This is from uh, Bowdown underscore Dubs Up. What's your take on all the new hires within the AD? Is this an acknowledgement that they actually understand their marketing branding has been terrible? Yes, and uh, yes. F Mac, we miss you. <laughs> you've been a perfect person to field this question. Yeah, um, yeah I think we're. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in first, and and then yield the floor. I mean, I think certainly we, we've talked about it a lot um, that we're a little behind the curve where we could have been. Um, and what we, when we talk about marketing and branding and the efforts, like we're not, we don't want the program, or at least I don't want the program to be Oregon where we're just hype and capping and just saying, pulling shit from out our ass and saying it and then trying to treat it as fact. That's not what we're about. But we have so much, you know, between our tradition, between, you know, the, the tradition and the history, between the academic standing in the university, the city of Seattle. We're not lying when we say it's the greatest setting in college football there is so much to offer and it's just about putting that out there just putting it on your chest putting it on you know putting it on your hat and just saying hey this is who we are and we're we're damn proud of it uh, I, 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 def- I definitely agree man um i will say while you know you got a bunch of time to put in work um the only underwhelming hire i will say was um I, I don't remember his name but the gentleman's last job was uh oregon state um and he did he's the videographer um or does like uh, media production now while he could knock it out the park um our other hires within the athletic department um so our promotion i forgot of the gentleman's name um, but then um, uh, the hiring of Jamal Walton, and then yep. the, acqui- then the acquisition of uh, uh, the um, of Carol. I forgot his name, first name. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Carroll. Kevin, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No Kevin. relation to Pete. No relation to Pete. <laughs> uh, those were home runs. Um, those were home runs on the strength of resume, um, and then on the strength of uh, strengths of uh, reference, and then you know what they've done. You know, and then just to kind of see someone that we're getting from Oregon State, I kind of was a little underwhelmed. Um, but the type of person that I am is I'll wait. I'm going to wait and see. I'll see what you bring to the table. Um, but but on paper, it just looks like it was a, you know, a CP type thing where it's a, like a, hey, we've 
you know this guy he got internal references etc cetera, etc cetera, versus kind of going outside of the box and you know grabbing somebody like walton um, who has minimal ties so i'd say every yeah. single hire has been great yogi roth called carol the best hire in cfp this offseason cfp this offseason so i mean and yogi you know he's known to to blow a little uh blow a little smoke he he doesn't yogi doesn't uh go to the negative side very often but uh, the other gentleman's name is uh, that was hired um, at the same time or that was announced uh, was is uh, Jay Hillbrands. Yes, Hillbrands. He got a promotion. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think I think good things. I, uh, good things ahead. I think we're recognizing and course correcting. I think Hood on one of our previous episodes, you talked about it at the time that there were four positions in marketing <laughs> open on our <laughs> on our site. So they they understand the importance. Um, and I think, but I, I think as fans, we should, con- I'll continue to stress this point. We should continue to ask questions and make requests, but do so the right way of the department That's... because we're all interested ultimately in the same thing and, and what we can do to help them and make them better. And also continue to strengthen the relationship as a fan base, as season ticket holders, as customers is huge. If you just throw your hands up and quit, you're your concerns are not going to be met or are not going to be addressed. Oh my goodness. How could we forget about the most recent um, happening amongst the athletic department and Chris Peterson kind of sort of taking an actual role, like a tangible role kind of sort of uh, in relation to Jen Cohen. So yep. yeah, big moves, man, big moves. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see like, and I mean, I know there was in in one of our GCs there was mixed feedback about the polos that Trent and, and Jackson had on it. Maybe, I love it. I like them. I love them. I, they were cool. I mean, maybe it's also you guys can't see it, but I'm wearing a like a vertical oriented <laughs> uh, word, word mark on my shirt right now. So I'm I'm okay with the unconventional. Um, so. All right, let's uh, let's talk into the the hottest news and the uh, the all encompassing question of college football right now in realignment. Uh, OU and and UT today basically confirming their move to the uh, to the SEC. What do we all think? Boo! <laughs> I I struggle, yeah. man. I, I I really don't. Uh... People throw numbers out. People throwing money, and it's like there's so many perspectives to have. And, like, what do you value most, you know? Like, what's the most important thing? And for me, I, I always kind of revert back to, you know, just college football tradition. Like, like maintaining that ele- element of, like, an amateur sport. Um, and granted, while a lot of this stuff sounds cool, it sounds like I'm, like, adjusting the sliders in a video game. You know what I mean? Like, it's it seems a lot like super make-believe. Um, so I don't it's really have too much con- to... Yeah, it's, it's NCAA football editing conferences so that, you know, you can play the best you know. games every single week or something like that. And um, specifically, I guess, in relation to UW or, or the Pac-12, like I'm good on Baylor, like I'm good on Texas Tech. Um, I like TCU and Oklahoma State as like schools and throwing curveballs and their types of athletes um, and mm-hmm. their coaches. 
and their coaches, uh, like long-tenured coaches, um, seem like like high-character mm-hmm. guys, um, into the mix. But at the end of the day, like for TCU and Oklahoma State, I'm not willing to, to make any changes. Uh, George K said, um, you know, like we have the most power or we feel like we have the most power as a conference now um, with UT and Oklahoma choosing the SEC. And I, and I truly believe that, you know, as, as far as staying at 12, um, yep. I saw the move. I saw the move floated around with UW or a and USC, USC or whatnot to the big to the Big Ten, and that okay, sure that's still kind of the same concept. But if you're it, that's better than combining with you know traditionally top 30, 35 teams, you're tossing yourself into a conference um, that has traditional blue bloods in Nebraska, Michigan, you know Penn State, things like that. So so I think no that. Worries. Ohio State, yeah. So I think that'll be kind of like if there was to make a super conference, that makes the most sense. But that 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 statement about we're the only conference just geographically in the mountain uh, time zone and Pacific time, like uh, I think that's big, man. I think we can really hoard a lot of viewers and hoard a lot of money just based on the fact that we're on the other side of the country, man. So. I think like I think the Pac-12 should stay pat. To be totally honest, I think they should just not do a thing. Do join forces with the Big Big Ten to uh, do a football scheduling, like yeah. one or two games. I think we should go. F- I, and I think we should play SEC's game. Honestly, fuck them. Go go down to eight conference games. If you want to play this game, yep. let, let's fucking play it. Yeah, I like that. And that's agree, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't, I don't want to see us at, as much as, um, and I'll apologize to some of my family members that are, that are uh, our cowpokes fans. Um, I, I don't. There's not really a value add. We don't get any like, the way the way it, like I look at it is you really have to look at what's going to drive revenue and what's going to drive a bigger pie with a bigger slice of the pie for every share, you know, for each that where the that share is bigger, and. I'm sorry, but Oklahoma State, as much as like from an athletics standpoint, they're a very strong program, and they're probably the bit the most comprehensively strong program across the board of what's left of the Big Twelve. They're really good, and they're good in football. They're you know they're very competitive. If not you know eight, nine, ten win team in football, they're good in both men's and women's hoops. They I think Cade Cunningham went number one tonight mm-hmm. uh, in the NBA draft. They've got a really strong track program. They're really good in wrestling. They would bring mm-hmm. a lot of value but they don't bring a ton of TV rep. They've got a passionate fan base, but we've got programs in this conference that have passionate fan bases, but don't bring necessarily a ton of revenue. Why Shout out, little brother. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're literally, Oklahoma State is literally like a nice wazoo, like Gundy type. Yeah, stuff. no, like they're totally, like it would be, they're, oh, they're, they're better an, than they're wazoo. Like, they're better from, than oh, they are, but, but they're, but they're, they're definitely better than wazoo. And their like, role from a yeah, oh, yes, watching 100%. the games, standpoint it would be really really entertaining and would make for some really good football games but they don't agree anything to to increase the amount of money that the university of washington gets baylor with the current constitute the conference as it's constituted is a non-starter no you you will not get baylor into this conference period tcu is yes it's texas christian but as as tech would say it's kind of christian in name only they're much they would be a much softer pill to swallow 
and mm-hmm. the, the the appeal for TCU is it does sit in the Dallas market, and it's not necessarily that they have a huge share of the Dallas market from a revenue standpoint. Getting an extra, like a guaranteed game in, you know, once a four-year cycle, once in a six-year cycle where we're sitting there and we can look, recruit locally to Dallas because we've got a conference game there, that has some draw. Everybody else, like, you know, everybody's like, oh, Kansas should be a big piece because of basketball. Basketball uh, doesn't drive the revenue. Oh, there's a, it's not there's that, a, like, go ahead. There's, an, there's another element, man, that was really troublesome, like, just to kind of hear. And it was like, um, like, about how the Pac-12 needed to do something and they needed to have some sense of urgency in relation to, like, um, visibility. Now, I get marketing and branding, et cetera, et cetera. You can do that, you know, in the afternoon, the morning, when everybody's eyes are on you. But if uh, the casuals don't make these decisions, and my Heisman voters, my pollers should not be casuals. If, no. if you are to do a job, like, stay up and watch. That is part of your responsibility as 100%. a voter. Stay up and yep. watch. You know what I mean? So I, I continuously hear that excuse of, oh, man, you know, I could, it's going to be a detriment to, to Marcus Mariota to win the Heisman, or it's going to be a detriment to this person to win defensive player, uh, All-American. We don't even know if you're a playoff team. Bro, watch the game. You know, you're, it's, it's part, it's of, your, literally it's part your of your job. Like, it, yeah, I get it. Maybe get some younger people so they're not all going to sleep at 7, 8 o'clock, but – man yeah it no i agree it's again that like and in particular like you know in, in approaching and not just from a conference perspective but from the university of washington we are the highest you know like i think in the last full regular season you go back to the 2018 2019 numbers we are the highest revenue producing program in the conference uh-huh. part of that is usc might produce more revenue but they're a private school so we don't see their numbers yeah, yeah. we have we what well, the way uw fans need to look at this and for the most part, the the I think there's a large segment of us that are educated and know about it. Um, we don't want you don't want to add just to add add a, add a program's sake. Just be like, hey, we made a move. All you're doing is you're decreasing your own share in adding something that's not going to contribute to your bottom line. So, like my ultimate, you know, in some way, shape, or form, I think my my perfect ideal scenario would be that we you know we, we go down to eight conference games we do a scheduling alliance deal with with our traditionally allied conference and our friend in the big 10 where we play them one you know play two non-conference games with them every year and have two non-conference games where you can play you know montana or fresno state or whoever the hell you want to um i think ultimately we are going to look at a further consolidation and i think there are you know and this is maybe five years down the line maybe 10 years down the line and i'm sorry but i think that there are some schools that are currently in the conference that are not going to be able to continue to play with the big boys it's just a fact and when i think so my secondary i i would much rather see us you know that that conglomerate of of usc ucla UDA, and oregon and i think oregon and washington are, are very much going to be tied at the hip because we're the strong revenue producer we're you know outside of the la schools the strongest revenue producing programs in the conference and th- we are going to be the schools that have the most appeal for that reason um i think i floated a scenario in maybe one of the gcs um but i also could see the big you know it, the big 10 you know doing it you know basically becoming the big pack of you know 20 teams 24 teams 26 teams but i ultimately think it will 
constrict because I think, on, unfortunately, Washington State and Oregon State will fall out because they just don't have the revenue to continue to, to play at the highest level. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you know, somebody tweeted it, I think, yesterday about, like, oh, well, what what could happen if UW and Wazoo are in different leagues? Like, we basically are. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. You've got well, then you one school in the state that Oregon, is the though. top of the revenue in the conference, that is the, the biggest revenue-producing school in the conference from a public school standpoint, and then you have the other school in the state is the lowest in the conference. Wazoo's AD is like department is lucky they're, they haven't gone bankrupt yet, to be totally yeah. honest. I mean, it's and closed. I... I and don't get me wrong, I don't want a bunch of kooks coming after me with hate. No. Um, I want to continue to pay That's always fun, to play though. you guys. I mean, it's always fun, but <laughs> shout out to the... I want to the guy that got today about murdered today. Grant. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but it's like, and yes, I know that there's an incredibly close tie. It sounds like Jen Cohen made comments about that there's that there's an incredibly close you know relationship or, or friendship with Pat Chun who's the AD at Wazoo. But at the end of the day, if staying attached at the hip to Wazoo is going to prevent us from playing for national championships, that's no. not going to fly. I'm sorry. And and I want, for Wazoo's benefit, I would hope that they would set, you know sign a deal to play us every year because we're going to drive revenue into their coffers by playing. Like, you're not, like, it would be a terrible business decision. Um, like, Wazoo's not in the same position that Texas A&M was to say, no, we're not going to play Texas anymore. <laughs> yeah right (laughs) not playing the apple cup and not getting gate money from the apple cup is going to would wreck and a program that already has a hard time making money sorry i've talked a lot i yield no you're good and you (laughs) and you guys heard that uh so on uh george uh george k said that in relation to uh you know expansion or whatever the ideas are is He's going to prioritize anything that strengthens our position to make the playoff. Yes. You know? And another thing he said, too, you know, you were mentioning now, while I do agree with you, uh, Hooligan, in relation to Baylor, um, I agree with you in relation to the majority of the Big 12 schools. Um, but George, George said there's no prerequisites. Like verbatim, just there's no prerequisites. Anything that strengthens our, you know, case. We'll consider and we'll balance. And yeah, while that's a little scary, and I think the uh, you know our um, twelve presidents are really good at what they do as well. Um, I don't think a reckless decision will happen, but the fact that you go out of your way to kind of mention, oh yeah, don't add, don't never mind that question. There are no prerequisites. Just kind of leaves the door open. And I'll say from the media days in general how George was talking just sounded open. Like it was yep. like, and he did say that there were teams that were reaching out already to him. Um, and now I don't know if they were specifically talking about big 12 teams, but he said that there were teams that have already called and reached out in relation to expansion. So yeah, I mean, I think, off. yeah, I think that that, I, and I think you're, I think you're right. Hood. And I think that the, the big pieces, and I think, yes, is what, what strengthens, I think there's a twofold evaluation that I would hope that George is doing. It's the, and the first one is it's, is this going to increase the money that is going to each of my member schools department budget? That's the first, that's the first critical point. 
because it, even if it you know marginally improves our playoff position, if it's not going to drive more revenue into the into the, the bank accounts, it's not like it's not worth it. And then that's and that so that's where I have some hesitation with the small market teams. Um, so I, I think the 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 evaluation point is those two thresholds: is it like does it drive more revenue, and does it make us more playoff relevant? If both of those answers are yes, bring it on. Go ahead, Tugs. Um, yeah, I loved how George K was talking about football, and he, he just made it sound like the uh, they were going to do the scheduling favorable for the teams that have the best shot of going to the you know New York Six game or the final you know the final college football playoff, which is no more playing Oregon coming off a bye at seven thirty at night or you know, making your, your better games, not at seven thirty at night, but on channel five at noon or something like that. So that was promising. Shout out to, yeah. Shout out to the Oregon fans that think that the, the conference stacks the deck against them. Oh my God, bro. <laughs> was that real? Uh, oh my God. I mean, we, we're not, seeing the stuff come out again about ESPN. You know what I mean? Like, Wow, way to go. Like, round of applause. You guys just figured out that this is what they're doing. You know what I mean? It's been benefiting only a couple people in our conference, and they've been quiet about it because it's benefited them. But the majority of oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, because ESPN loves to talk about Oregon. My God, bro. And then Tugs, another thing, too. It's, uh, it's not New York 6. It's New Year's see that's right i got you brother right, and i'm and i'm sober hey hey right teamwork though <laughs> sure about that teamwork though brother. <laughs> yeah i mean i i will say i'm 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 much you know who do you talked about it a little about you know the tradition and what and what college football is and that's that's why i get so upset with espn is like and, and espn has made an inordinate an insane amount of money on out of college football and they're actively trying to change it from what it's been and what makes like what makes college football great is not what makes the nfl great and that's why i i'm more of a hey let's not expand the playoff or if we're going to expand the playoff let's do it in a way that celebrates and even enhances tradition not let's just expand the playoff to let boise state have a chance at a championship to make it more like the ncaa tournament because what makes the ncaa tournament great is not is it like the NCAA tournament is not like you can't do sorry Mike Leach you can't do it and and he was talking shit <laughs> anyway but you can't do a 64 team field in football like like yeah you you're gonna have a couple of first round upsets but there's not gonna be a Boise State that's gonna win like oh yeah Boise State beat Oklahoma in 2005 but Boise State's not gonna beat Oklahoma in 2005 and then turn around and beat Clemson and then beat beat Alabama <laughs> no. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> no. And so one of the things nope. that I'm re- I am really encouraged by is that it actually sounds like with this move of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, everybody's like, okay, well, we were on board with this whole 12 plan. Wait a second. They're going like the SEC is dealing dirty. Uh, we're, and like, no. <laughs> like, it's the team, like teams that deserve to be there. And as much as like, yeah, we would have had some more revenue and that would have been great for our program. But like our 2017 and 2018 programs, didn't and teams weren't national championship caliber. I'm sorry. 
if you want to play for a national championship, don't lose at Arizona State, you know, and not score 10 points. I think this is a dumb move for Texas and Oklahoma, personally. I think I, it's... I do. I think it's going to be so much harder for them to get into the playoffs now. I mean... They went from a cupcake conference where they were the they were the the heavy heavy heavyweights, and um, each year each not, year with twelve each year with twelve teams they would get in each year every both of them, right? Yeah, for, for well, the most well, part, yeah. Oklahoma, would, yes, Texas, year. not Oklahoma. Not like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but Oklahoma will be in it every year, but. The only thing that's going to keep Texas from experiencing what we did under their head coach in terms of the seven-win Sark phenomenon is Coach Kwiatkowski. Jeff Choate, he hired better people around him, not yeah, up and he did. And I will give Sark credit. Like, they're – you know, and that is a strength. Like, I would – he was good at, like, at being able to recognize – gaps in the coaching staff and say, hey, we need to get better here and we need to get better mm-hmm. recruiting. Yeah. Um, That's completely different. I just think it's a crazy move for them to go to the SEC personally. I just what happens so to people. what happens to like the Longhorn network? Like like what happens to now yeah. you're gonna be sharing revenue with the SEC network. Now you like, But there but the SEC is also making crazy amounts of money so it's it's more like and then I think at the end of the day the they're right gonna come out they're something. they're gonna have more revenue out of the deal. Agreed. The agreed. thing that, that's crazy to me is that it's um I, I mean what the what the side you know what side deals might be in place because like for schools like Mississippi State and Mississippi and Arkansas and the small the small you know the smaller SEC schools that just made their path to national relevancy that much harder. Because Vanderbilt. regardless of if Texas has been Hey, we're back. No, you're not. Um, like, those are programs like Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Arkansas. Those programs are not going to win head-to-head recruiting battles against Oklahoma and Texas. You're just not. <laughs> It'd just be smart for you them to try to go to the Big Twelve, like a Kentucky or an Arkansas, or but then you're sacrificing revenue. You know, you're sacrificing exactly. SEC shared revenue. This is this sucks, but yeah. like. You know, Kleokov saying that, you know, we're on the West Coast, you know, we have a ge- geographical a- advantage, you know, I think can be weaponized if you have the right leadership. And to be honest, after the first, you know, month or so, I think we have the right leadership. Um, and I think we have a guy who's money oriented. Um, you had another thing from Media Day is you had the majority of coaches going up there on the podium and when asked about Kleokov, said that he was sharp said that the the, the um, conference is in a great direction. Um, and then also on Twitter, coming from a whole bunch of assistant coaches online, you know what I mean, speaking up about him. I think uh, a, US, a USC coach commented about it, a US, UCLA coach comments about it, um, just about how his presence when he shows up. And he's been showing up at practices and things like that. And I don't know what type of fan he was of the Pac-12 before he got this job. But this man is knowledgeable about the Pac-12, knowledgeable about the Pac-12 history, and brings that to every single school and has some presentation about, you know, their traditions and their their history and his understandings of it and trying to maintain it. So that is some high-level, like, 
work that George K is doing right now in relation to every single yep. school. Like, you know, not even just his big wigs, but every single school. So Yeah, that's great to hear. Because there is so much like there is so much tradition and, and history to celebrate in this conference. I mean, USC is a blue, like we talked with the whole realignment about blue bloods and uh, I'm blanking on who did the, the, the statistical ranking that, that came up with like basically the blue bloods and the new bloods, the programs that are at, at a certain tier uh, and, and Washington is in that list. We might, depending on how we do this year, we could fall out of it. Um, that's in that tier and, and progression. And it's because but it is something to celebrate. And like the concern that I have, the, the one caveat that I would say to that, that standpoint from about being in the mountain time zone and, and the Pacific time zone and being the only major conference out here, unfortunately, we're, it's also a time zone that is not as, um, that of the time zones in the country is probably the, has the least percentage of the population that cares about college football. Yeah, agreed. But we also haven't capitalized as a conference to really capitalize on all of the the transplants and, and i will say that um it's also probably a region and i don't know the numbers off the top of my head and i'd have to look into it i would say the percentage of the population in our time zone is it is probably the most globally diverse and has the highest percentage of people that have immigrated to the u.s of, of anywhere other than maybe you know new york city which is again also not a college football mecca in terms of you know, power five conference teams that are close to the city. Um, but, but there's an incredible story that we could tell and like look at the explosion of Seahawks fans after yep, their run yep. of success. Um, and people that, you know, as much as I grown as an old time Seahawks fan about 12 since 12, <laughs> you, you have a great run of success and you capitalize it and you, you, you generate in a whole new era of fans. And a whole new generation, the, and, and whole new you, generations of fans. You see the buzz about the Mariners after two and a half weeks of looking like a playoff team. Like this city, this city literally is straight fair weather. Or like I'd say, the West Coast is so fair weather. Like you know, it's like if you're winning, we are the best fans. You know, but if you're in the mid tier, we got we can hike. You know what I mean? I, we got other things. We can, we can paddleboard, but. But the other thing is, like, we are, like, and people will, will knock our, you know, the West Coast and see, like, and I've seen people that were saying, oh, it's such a fair weather city. And there it is to a certain extent. But, like, the Mariners being good for six years from the mid-90s to 2001, still, like, in 2019, 18 years after they'd last gone to the playoffs, there were still 1.7 million people that went through the gates at Safeco. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like... Like, yeah. don't, like, yes, they're fair weather, and you probably you, your population of diehards is going to dwindle. Be, and and myself, like, I used to be like a pro sports team in Seattle. The Mariners used to be my team at one point. The Sonics used to be my team, but after eighteen years of the Mariners making what the hell are you doing decisions, both in terms of their player mm -hmm. personnel and both of and public relations decisions, mm -hmm. I'm nowhere near the Mariners guy that I used to be. But you still have a hundred, like one point seven million people that went through the gates in to watch bad baseball in two thousand nineteen. Like, and you're going to be competing with the Kraken soon. I mean, they're going to, but like this market is not going to stop growing, and there is there's going to be markets for everything if you pitch it yep. and market it 100%. well. And, 
and there still is a huge population of husky fans that you know and there's there's people that were husky fans growing up that got frustrated and may have fallen by the wayside that can be reactivated again yeah agreed so i i i will not stand for for people that crap on seattle as a sports market and (laughs) (laughs) i might crap on like some of the bandwagon fans that or that maybe i crap most on the people that were here and then like oh wait let me support my team now that they're good like that's not cool like but that's also because I was conditioned because I grew up a Seahawks fan and a Mariners fan when the Seahawks and the Mariners were hot, stinking garbage for 25 <laughs> years. I, I went through the the aughts and the early 2010s of UW football, like, and UW basketball. Like, I've gone through the downtime, so I'm, I'm going to ride with them until, <laughs> until I'm dead. <laughs> Dude, so SeaTac Airport... Um, Las Vegas's airport was McCarran, uh, and all through Las Vegas, um, where I was last weekend, a whole bunch of go dogs and me not having to initiate it. I was in heaven. Um, I don't know if there was some convention or something going on, but it was a bunch of go dogs, and I loved it. So we're we're getting there, man. We're getting there. Amplify the noise, you know, um, shout, I, shout out to like hood. You said it on Twitter this week, shout out to all the content creators, all the people that are talking about it, all the people that are putting it out there, you know, um, in terms of the podcast, like the, the Husky fan podcast. I know Cheston and Jimmy posted an episode this week talking about Husky history, which I'm most of the way through. And I really enjoyed, um, I'm blanking on all of them, but like the dog fan podcast, um, there's so many like TSIO you guys come back like we need that completely even more irreverent <laughs> take than we than we have here um just keep please husky if you're passionate about this continue to show up you know do what you're comfortable doing tweet post funny gifts like just do it let's go seattle native diagnosticator keep the countdown yes. going Yes, how sir. many? How, how, how many hood? I think well, we had we had Tim, Tim Horn, Horn many days. And, the most Jack. And Jack you gotta sing it. Time. And Jack Love Tim Horn. Yep. Yeah, Let's that's a, that's I a mean, month, y'all. Yeah, and we've got and we've got college football and and Pac-12 games to watch in even less than that. Let's go! I mean, football season's Let's here. Go. Uh, I'm jittery. Anybody right else now. have anything that they want to mention, or should we wrap it? Uh, I think. No, I'm good. In cool. the words of Dave Chappelle, right. it's a wrap. It's a wrap. We will be back uh, at and at a somewhat soon but indetermined <laughs> point in the future. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Go dogs, and we will be back very, very regularly in season and, and more to come there. Go dogs. Bow down. Go, Go dogs. dogs. Go dogs!